And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. If you have your Bible, turn open to the book of 2 John. John Cooper the other day told me that every time I preach, I always preach out of the Old Testament. So to throw them out, you know, we're going into the New Testament. We're going to do the entire book. So be prepared for an hour and a half, right? <laughs> That's right. No, it's actually, if you look at Second John, it's actually the shortest book in terms of verses. There's only 13 verses in the entire book. But it's not the shortest book in terms of words. That actually goes to Third uh, John. So just the next book over. Um, but we're going to be looking at Second John. One thing I, I really love about the smaller books, also the minor prophets of the Old Testament, a lot of times we overlook these passages because they're not like the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs that, that we all go to. But just because they're, you know, very brief, you know, in their, in their wording doesn't mean that the message that they have is, is any less important. And indeed, we see that here in the book of Second John. Um, I, basically, I was kind of thinking about what to speak on. And probably right now everybody is doing, you know, all the churches around are probably doing like New Year's services, right? They're, you know, what do we look for in the new year? What do we look for for next year? Um, and, and probably all of us are thinking 2020, get it behind us, right? I don't think many people are going to be celebrating um, the joys of 2020, you know, at the New Year's, you know, ball drops, right? Pretty much everybody's like, yeah, it's, it's the next year. Um, I think a lot of people have probably skipped it on their calendar. It's, it, but and honestly, if you think about everything that's happened, um, I know for me and my family, this has been a, a big year of blessing for us. For one, we're here. Uh, we weren't here you know, in 2019, 2020s when we came, which probably might say something about us coming now that I think about it. Um, but, uh, but, but no, but it's been a tremendous blessing to us being able to come alongside y'all and, and, and serve, and it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, 2020 is also, uh, for our church, brought us uh, many young children uh, here, the, the promise of more children to come. Um, we have been very blessed, even through all the situations that's going on, you know, with the financial struggles of many within the community, many churches throughout the nation. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've fared well, and, and so the Lord has, has blessed us during this time. And so when we think about 2021, probably the one thing I always hear more, especially in light of the election season and everything that's transpired, is that we need to love one another well. And you even hear that up, up here in the pulpit that we say, you know, we need to love one another well. But we must ask the question, what is love? And now probably if you are a Knight of the Roxbury fan, such as I, you're automatically going, baby, don't hurt me. You know, no hurt me. Yeah, what is love, right? Uh, you know, Will Ferrell, me, you, me, you. Uh, and so, but, but, but honestly, we need to ask that question as well. What is love? Because we say we need to love one another well, but at the same time, if we probably sat down and tried to define what is love, we would be all over the map. Indeed, if we looked at our culture and looked at what is love, love would equal full acceptance, Love would equal full acceptance, and we have to ask ourselves the question, does that mean that we as a church need to be fully accepting of everything? And the truth of the matter is, is that that's no. We, we have a God who, who is truth, who is good, and abhors evil, abhors sin. And so 
because of that, we cannot be fully accepting of sinful patterns, of sinful deeds, of sinful things to come in here. Uh, although, you know, we'll eventually get rid of the Florida State stuff out of here. I'm working hard. Um, but, but eventually, <laughs> that's, that's right, Jeremy, over there. Just get that pillow ready. You can go to sleep here before too long. Um, <laughs> but we, we need to sit here and say, well, what is love? And the book of Second John actually talks about what is love in this short book. It's actually an interesting book here because it starts out actually, uh, it, it's a letter and it says written to the elect lady and her dear children. More than likely this book here was a letter that was smuggled out of Patmos. This is John the disciple wrote this book. He at the time of his writing of this book was more than likely on the Isle of Patmos, uh, stranded there, basically imprisoned for the rest of his life. And in order to keep his audience secret, so that way the Roman uh, Empire wouldn't come down on them and, and, and kill them, uh, he, he writes in code, the elect lady and her dear children. More likely, this is talking about just a specific church. Uh, we don't know which church, but at the same time, it doesn't matter which church because we all can take from its meaning. And so we see here also that this book is a short book. And because it's a short book, it also is big enough to fit on a single piece of parchment. In other words, this is a book that can easily be taken out uh, under the key of dar- or under the, the you know the under darkness in, in order to be smuggled out and go to where it needs to go. And then if anybody catches it, well, the only thing it says on here is that it's to the elect lady. They're not looking for a multiplicity of people. They're just looking for one family. And so you can see how the secrecy goes through here. But the book of Second John is actually an interesting book because we see here that John, he commands the church to do one thing, but then also tells them to be aware of another. He commands the church to do one thing, and he tells them to be aware of another. You'll see here that there's actually three things that we can, uh, that we can get from this, this book. We see that one, we're to love one another well. We see two, that to love is to keep the commandments And three, to be on guard for those who are deceivers. So we're to love one another well. We're to follow, to keep the commandments. And we're also to watch against those who are deceivers. So let's read this book here and we'll see exactly the argument that John lays out. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Notice this, verse 6, And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as we have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but that we may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. 
For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We we praise you, we honor you, we thank you, Father. Lord, as we, we look at your word, convict us of where we fail. Show us where we fall short. And Father, renew us, not by our own works, not by our own deeds, not by our own actions, but Father, renew us through your word. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are going through Second John here, and we see here a, a letter written uh, probably just like any other letter, right? There's a greeting here in, in verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace be with us all uh, from God the Father and from Jesus Christ. This is very uh, epistle-like, right? You read the letters of Paul, it's, it's very similar. But notice when we get into verse 1, it says, the elder, this is the elder talking about John. John doesn't necessarily have to tell of who he is. Everybody already knows who he is. And not only that, everybody already accepts him as an authoritative figure. We see in a couple places in Paul's letters, right, where Paul has to kind of give his, his, his things, right? His, his, hey, I've been charged from the church of Antioch to go out. I've been, you know, Peter right here has, has affirmed me, and because of this, now I speak to you. John doesn't have to do that. John is one of the original 12 disciples. His authoritative, uh, uh, his authoritative position is already well known within the early church. And so here, in order to convey who this is, all he has to use is the word, the elder. I'm the one who oversees, and because of that, I'm writing this to you. And he says, to the elect lady and her children, notice, who I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who know the truth. Notice where John says how he loves them. He loves them in truth. Now the question is, what does it mean to love in truth? Does, does John love because x squared plus y squared, you know, equals z squared? No, it's, it's not just a truth. It's not just all truth. It is a specific truth. And notice what he says. He says in verse 2, because of the truth that abides in us, and will be with us forever. In other words, this truth comes from a specific place. The abiding with us forever, that's with us forever, this tells us that this truth is the gospel. It is only through the gospel that John is able to communicate love. It is only through the gospel that John is able to communicate truth. And it's because of that truth of the gospel that John is able to love this church, whoever it may be, in order to tell them, to encourage them, to keep the word. And so then we get into verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace be with us. And so now we get to the meat of this book of Second John. Verses 4 through 11 pretty much are the meat. This is kind of what John is, this is the reason why he's writing the letter. This isn't just like a letter that I would write Michelle whenever we were dating, where I was like, please don't, you know, run away from me, even though I joke about all the time, you know, please make sure to stay near me. You know, I know that you're much prettier than I am, but please, you know, just, just hang on for just a little bit. I promise I'll eventually be able to grow a beard. You know, we, we, we write those that don't really mean anything. You should see me whenever I was just coming out of uh, high school. It was, it was pretty bad. I, if I shave this off, I have a baby face, so it, uh, it, it comes out pretty quick. Uh, but a lot of times when we write letters, right, there's not a lot of meat to them. But here we see that John is writing for a specific purpose. 
And this purpose that he's writing to this church is to encourage them to keep the word, to keep the commandments, and to beware. And so here we see in verse 4, he says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. And so here John extorts him, says, hey, listen, good job. Some of you are keeping the word, and that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And especially if we think about the the timeline of, of this period, John is in exile. Persecution has come. And yet we see that the people of the Lord are keeping the commandments. They are keeping the word. This truth that John loves this church with, we see that this church is continuing to keep it. The fact that the gospel is the only source, that the gospel is the source of love and that comes through the commandments. This church is doing well and John commends them for it. However, just because a church is doing well does not mean that there aren't issues that need to be addressed, right? Every church has issues. And I'm trying to decide if 2021, if you will still have me, if I start to address issues, but I'm not going to do all that. Uh, so, so the issues are well known. However, every church has issues. Why? Because we are sinners. And churches are made up of people. And so anytime you find people, you're going to find sin, That's just part of it, right? And a lot of it is not because of people having bad intentions. Not a a lot of it is because people just want to go and mess up everything. But a lot of it is just people are blinded by their own sin. And this is why John writes this letter, to keep the word because of what could happen. And as we will see here in a little bit, when we go to the, the part where it talks about the deceivers, we'll even talk about what ends up transpiring after this time period of something, a a great sin that did arise that caused many to stray away. And so here he says, I rejoice in finding that some of you are walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. So notice this, this commandment to walk in the truth was commanded by God the Father. This is not a new commandment found here in the New Testament. This is an old commandment that's found all the way back in the book of Genesis, all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy with Deuteronomy chapter 4, where God tells Moses to tell the people, keep my word and you will live in the land. This is the same commandment that John is giving all the way back from Genesis. It is the same now to Second John. We need to keep the commandments. I always hear people talk about how they like the New Testament God more than they like the Old Testament God. However, you cannot take away the Old Testament. It continues the exact same message throughout, which is to keep the word. And so we see here in verse 5, he says, Now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one that we each have from the beginning, that we love one another. And notice he continues in this. This is not a new commandment that I give you. This is not something that is new that you've never heard before. Indeed, I'm telling you to continue to do the exact same thing that you were told to do before. That we are to do what? To love one another. To love one another. Now, a lot of the reason why we fail at loving one another well is because we have a bad view of love. I mean, honestly, if we think about many of our human relationships that we are in, our, our tempor- temporal relationships, such as families, you know, right? There are many families that are broken. 
You know, when people say they love one another and then all of a sudden you have things like divorce pop up, things like abuse pop up. And we sit here and we say, well, what does it mean to love then? If this, this image that I'm supposed to look at to model how I love is already distorted, what does it mean to love? And honestly, if we think about ourselves, we ourselves have a distorted view of love. Uh, one of my professors in seminary used to say, we are all little idolaters, right? We love me, right? Michelle will tell you, I love me probably more than many people. Uh, my, my, me, myself, am the, my favorite person, uh, besides my wife and, you know, my son and, you know, all that. I make sure they're right there. I got to say that. Um, but, but honestly, like, if it comes to my comfort or it comes to someone else's comfort, I'm more than likely going to choose myself. And that's just me because I'm a little idolater. I think that I deserve everything. Why? Because my name is Tyler Pierce. That's why. And honestly, if we all thought about it, there are many ways in which we have the exact same feeling, right? I deserve a new car. Or as the commercial says for the the payday loans, it's my money, I want it now. You know, right? We are all little idolaters. And so one of the things that we need to make sure to do is to see exactly what true love is. Because otherwise, if we look at ourselves and try to love as we, we love right now, we will find out that we are actually going to end up failing not only our fellow Christian, not only our church, but also we'll end up failing ourselves. We must look to the Word of God because it is the Word of God that is perfect, not I. It is not, the, it is not you that is perfect. It is the Word of God. That is why we look to God's Word in order to dress ourselves every day. That is why we look to the Word of God to see exactly what it means to be right and to be wrong. Because if we look at ourselves, nine chances out of ten, we'll try to justify our very own filth. So let's face it, we're just like a two-year-old. My two-year-old's sitting right over there, and my two-year-old does not like it when I tell him the word no. And lately, whenever I tell him the word no, he comes up to me and tries to slap me. Now, that's when my Wakulla County comes out. And I did not think that I had as much redneck in me until my son started slapping me. It turns out I have a lot of redneck in me whenever my son slaps me. And I turn around and I go, boy, what you doing? You come here now, right? Now, you got to put that now emphasis on it, right? And that's when he knows Oh no, I have done something wrong. He walks forward and whether it's slap me on the hand, you know, and I'm popping right back there. Or if he sometimes he'll slap me on the hand and go, no, no, like that. You know, that deserves a a whooping right there on the fanny just to make sure you, you know who's dominant in that relationship. But right, that's when my redneck comes out. But, but many times we act just like that. The Lord tells us to go and do something and we sit there and we say, no. Why? Because we love ourselves. Because we love ourselves. We love our comfort. We love our place. We love our situation. To call us to do anything else would mean that we no longer know how to love because our love is set on ourselves. We are all little idolaters. But notice that we are to love one another and now the question comes up, What is love? 
We have this distorted view of love and we see here that the command to love is given and automatically we think, oh goodness, what in the world does it mean to love? And here in the next passage, the next verse, John gives us the answer. He says, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. In other words, for us as First Baptists to love one another well in 2021, we must keep the word. Now, I don't think either from myself or Brother Dave, whenever we're up here, you're going to hear us break open the Vedas, right? Get the, the Hindu Sanskrit. We're not going to be pulling open the Quran. So, so you're going to be okay with that. However, what we do need to make sure is that we do live according to the Word of God. Remember earlier I mentioned that one of the things I always hear about is that to love is to accept. However, if we look at God's Word, we will see that in order for us to gain life, in order for us to gain salvation, we must die to ourselves, right? Jesus says in the book of Luke that we are to take up our cross daily to follow Him. In other words, we must make sure that we are following the Word. And not just I. We must hold each other to make sure that we are following the Word. Now that's where the fun part comes in, right? Because let's face it, we are all little idolaters. I hope you, you get that. We are all little idolaters. And one thing that idolater Tyler doesn't like is when people come up to tell him that he is wrong. And I, I, I pride myself on being the smartest person in the room when it comes to whatever situation is before us. So like whenever we were doing COVID stuff, I looked up CDC, looked up the state of Florida, I was seeing what other nations were doing, and so that way when I walked in the room, I could say, well, this is going on here, this is going on here, this is what's working here, this is not what's working here, to make sure that I knew exactly what was going on, and honestly, so that way I could be in control. But for us to love one another well means that I must realize that I am a sinner and that I am blinded to my own sin. I always talk about, uh, that whenever me and Michelle were in seminary, we had a, a, a little 19-year-old girl in our small group. Um, we were probably, what, 26, 27 at the time, married about five years, dated four years prior to that. And so this 19-year-old girl comes up to me and says, Tyler you are not giving Michelle enough attention. And I turned to her and I said, oh really? Go ahead and your 19-year-old wisdom tell me exactly how I'm not giving my wife of four years who I've been together with for eight years enough attention. And she turned right to me and said, you are spending too much time with your friends and not enough time with her. And at that moment, probably as many of you did, I chuckled said, okay, and just walked away. However, when I came to think, realize that, came to think about that a little more, I did see where indeed I was letting down my wife. This 19-year-old girl was right. And this wasn't her trying to one-up me or her to have control of me. This was her trying to do exactly this, for me to keep the commandments and to keep it well. That I should love my wife if I'm to show the love of the gospel to a lost and dying world. That 19-year-old girl 
did so much for me in just that one moment of coming to me and saying, you need to look at this. How much do we need one another to come to us to reveal to us our own sin? Because we are blinded by it. Why? Because we love ourselves. We are little idolaters. Let us love one another well by holding one another accountable to the word of God. Because ultimately, as we see here, love can only be found in the word. Love can only be found in keeping the commandments. Which means then, if we are not keeping the commandments, we are not loving. And so when you have this picture of the outside world that tells us that love is acceptance, but we see here in Scripture that sin is prevalent and must be condemned, we see here that even though we might think we are loving, we are actually killing. Even though we think we are loving, we are actually killing. We must hold one another to the commandments. Why is that? It's actually kind of interesting you ask that question because verses 7 through 11 detail exactly why that is. We see in verse 7 it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. You see, at this time, there was a Greek philosophy that was coming up called just Doicism, I think is how, the, how you pronounce it. It's been a while since it's taken Greek. But in Do- this Doicist- Doicistic thought, that's a tongue twister, this Doicistic thought was that, uh, in, in Greek philosophy, was that everything that was material, everything that was matter, was bad. Everything that was material was sin. And so basically what these people started doing is they started taking this Greek thought of everything that is material and everything that is matter is sin and began to fuse it, to marry it with the gospel. And so then you had the story of Jesus. You had the man Jesus who came down, who lived the perfect life that we could not live, died the death that should be ours, and rose from the dead, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And they said, well, wait a minute. If everything that is matter is bad... And Jesus came, Jesus could not have come in the flesh. Because to be flesh is to be sin. And so because of this, they began denying the humanity of Jesus and saying that Jesus was actually just, you know, there in spirit, but was not there in body. He was not there physically. And this is what's becoming prevalent at this moment. We, we see right here that John says, be careful that this is coming on. But we see 200 years later from this moment that the church is eaten up with this thought that Jesus could not have come in the flesh, that he had to be only spirit, and thus denying the bodily resurrection of Christ, thus denying very, very dearly held tenets of the Gospels that without it, We see, as John will say later, one is not a Christian. And notice what John says, that we should walk in the truth. Why? Because this is coming up that some people will just begin to twist the word of God. And in twisting the word of God, we see eventually that they go completely into left field. So John tells them to beware, to beware of these people, for they are what? Deceivers. They are the Antichrist. Now, I don't don't want to bring an eschatological you know, viewpoint of what's going on here. 
But what John is saying is basically these people are against the gospel and these people are actually against God. Though they might seem to appear as, as one who loves in God, we see that indeed they are actually against God. And notice what he says in verse 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. We are to watch ourselves. We are to love one another. How do we do so? By keeping the commandments, by keeping the word of God. Only in doing so will we keep away the deceivers. Only in doing so will we truly love one another well. And so notice what he says, verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now this is key. These people, though they might appear to be coming as one who's, who's been sent from God, we see that they actually do not have God. Though their lips might say the words, Jesus, we see that they do not have the Spirit of Christ. Such one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. And notice what he says, to beware. Why? So that we can have a full reward. So that we, we can have the fullness of the gospel. We must beware. And notice what he says in verse 10. If, any of you, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, let me say this right here. A lot of times people take this passage and they say, okay, yeah, they're not even supposed to enter into your home. Keep those people out. That's not exactly what John is saying right here. This term greet in the Greek is actually synonymous with the word accept. In other words, we are not to accept one who speaks against the gospel and, 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 and accept them within our, uh, our body, our, our church. In other words, we are not to affirm everything that they are saying. To accept is to affirm. Now, this doesn't mean that if a Mormon comes up to your house, that you're not to uh, let him in the house. Absolutely, we are, we are to share the gospel with those who don't know it, especially someone who thinks they have the fullness of the word of God, but yet, as we mentioned, has been deceived and in fact does not know what love is. Those people we should share the gospel with, but what we should never do is to fully accept those who preach a message that goes against God's word. And how do we make sure that we do that? We love one another. We love one another and we keep the word. Now, as I mentioned before, that there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to that because that involves some awkward conversations. But in those awkward conversations, do we actually find what true love is? And indeed, we grow in, in the fullness of the reward that is waiting for us, as John says right here. It is only in keeping the word that we will indeed be ready, be prepared for when Jesus does eventually come. It is only in keeping the word that we can go out and tell this lost and dying world what true love is. It is only in keeping the word that we ourselves can grow. So what must we do? 
Keep the word. Keep the word. Let us love one another well and keep the word. Let us help one another out and keep the word. Let us love one another well and keep the word. John closes this book by saying, Though I have much to write, I'd rather not use paper and ink. He'd rather not talk on the phone. Instead, I hope to come to talk to you face to face, a man after my own heart, so that our joy may be complete. And then he says, the children of your elect sister greet you. In other words, the other churches who I've been in communication with, they greet you as well. Guys, let us together go forth into our community and love it well. How do we love it well? We keep the word. We keep the commandments that have already been preached to us. This is not a new commandment that we have been given. We see that indeed this commandment has been given to us from time of old. All the way back in Genesis, all the way back in Exodus, and all the way through John, Jude, Revelation, and to today. It is the exact same commandment, but yet it is the one commandment that we probably have the hardest time with. Why? Because we are little idolaters, and we need help. Let us help one another by loving each other well and spurring each other on to keep the word. Because it's only through keeping the word that we ourselves will be able to grow. So for 2021, let us love one another well. Let us love our community well. And let us keep the word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We, Lord, we praise you, we honor you, we thank you for allowing us to be here, Father. Lord, we, we praise you for your word. Lord, we praise you for showing us where we fall short so we can honor you truly for who you are and for what you've done for us. Father, as we go into this time of invitation, Lord, I just pray that we take this moment to reflect. Lord, that we see where we fall short. Father, let us surrender that to you so that we as First Baptists can go within our community here in the church we can go out into our community here in Wakulla, and we can go even further out into the state, the country, and the world and love one another well. Lord, let us keep your word. Let us be a people who keeps your word. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go into a time of invitation. And so um, basically we're going to stand and sing. Uh, during this time, if you, you know, if you need to, you know, Pray if you need to confess. This, let this be that time for you to do so. If you would like to, to come and join the church, you're more than welcome to come up here. I'll be standing right here up front. If you perhaps need prayer, I'll be right here for you as well. But please, do not leave this place until you have wrestled with the Word of God. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.